This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1621, Improv Edition. <laughs> you got it on Wednesday, and it was like about going to the volume up. These guys will talk about it, everything that geeks love. From kids to laser beams, opinions like the seasons, and everything you read in comics, movies, games, toys, artists, comics. Comic Geek Speak, come on, come on, come on, come on, Geek Speak, come on, come on, come on, come on, Geek Speak, come on, come on, come on, come on, Geek Speak, come on, come on, Geek Uniting the world's mightiest heroes. I'm Brian Christman. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Adam Murdo. I'm Peter Rios. And welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Uh, yeah, we're not sure what we're going to do here. This is <laughs> we're sort of, here. Uh, maybe it's uh, to make maybe musical show. You never know. Improv. We sing. <laughs> we dance. We do a little romance. Bop, 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 bop. Uh, I think with the last part. <laughs> Maybe for you, I'm married. I met here on the show. <laughs> okay. Well, so anyway, we, we had a plan for an episode that didn't quite come through, so... That'll come through later. We're, yeah, hopefully so. We're here, so let's do a show! I don't know. Is that going to be a surprise? Make a movie! Yes, it's going to be a podcast ending everybody and me! So anyway... To the world! Da, 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 da. So we have on the show Peter the Rios Rios. How you doing, Peter? Hey, let's do it for Gene Wilder. Okay, sure, uh, why not? Got You know, I saw Wayne's post about favorite movies, and I kept meaning to go back to it and post a picture of uh, a movie and what I like, you know, like what my favorite movies were about it. And one that I don't think anybody would think of uh, was Hanky Panky. I love Hanky Panky. Uh, Gilda Radner's in it, and Gene Wilder gets totally innocent, and he gets caught up in this whole spy thing going on. Any chance that sucker's on, I'll watch it. It's not the funniest breakout comedy kind of thing. It was completely, to me, completely different than anything he had done. Uh, and, and Gilda was on it, so it was a lot of fun to watch. But, I, yeah, I'll watch that anytime I can. Of course, because Gene Wilder passed away um, yesterday as we recorded this. And we were talking morning before we came in here, and uh, I, I got scolded quite quite uh, murdered, murdered-like for, for never having seen... <laughs> yeah. Not only Willy Wonka. You, you got what? up easier than you would have gotten if Jamie were here. You I never know. saw Willy Wonka I never, ever. And, and Young Frankenstein. In oh, my God. <laughs> no, I know. That's I know. my favorite. I mean, you know, bits and pieces. I never saw the whole thing all the way through. Oh, that's but I was man, saying, a Halloween I, ritual. I, I, I did love I loved Silver Streak. I haven't seen that one, but Silver I loved Silver great. Streak. Very good. So was uh, Stir Crazy, and there was another one that they did. After that, you said, was see, it? No evil here, see no evil, hear no evil. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman. Peter posted that on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in a movie theater actually, and uh, that line broke the house. <laughs> oh man, Stirk! I was looking through was some, fabulous some of his, and I didn't real I, I didn't know about. Um, there's something called the Adventure of Sherlock Holmes's Smarter Brother. I know of it. I don't know that I've ever seen it. I'd be interested to see that one. It had Dom DeLuise in it? Yeah, and um, and um, uh, Malin Khan. Oh, yeah. And Marty Feldman. Oh, Marty wow. Feldman. There was also one he did in more recent years with, um, is it Mary Stuart Masterson? Um, he played an, a, a cartoonist, a, a newspaper strip cartoonist, and I think his name was Duffy in the movie. I, I have to look that up too. I, I didn't get that far in my looking at it. That was a pretty good movie for for something newer. I want to say in the '90s that came out. 
Um, I'll watch that one too when it's on. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's funny stuff happens in that one. The Woman in Red, I love that one. That's a great movie for odd weird stick. So looking that movie up, it's uh, Funny About Love, the one you were talking about. Okay. Leonard Nimoy was the director. Yes. And that's the picture I saw recently. I couldn't figure out where it, what they did, and I didn't – again, I saw it during the workday, and I didn't get to look up and see what, what that picture was from. That would make sense. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that movie. I think I went to the theater to see that just because Gene Wilder was in and he hadn't done anything for a while mm, at that point. Yeah. He had kind of all but uh, let his acting career lapse because he was so busy you know, uh, campaigning for a cure for uh, – well, whatever it was that took Gilda Radner away yeah. from it. And I think I, he actually suffered from uh, a form of sar- uh, Alzheimer's? Some, uh, well, that, that's what ultimately took his okay. life. But, I mean, earlier, you know, one of my coworkers yesterday looked this up on her phone. He had uh, a form of sarcoma, I think. Hmm. And uh, he, uh, around the same time that Gilda Radner died, he actually beat it. Wow. He went into remission. And then he started... Uh, uh, just uh, doing activism to try to find a cure for the disease that killed Gilda Radner. And uh, I think that's the reason why for much of the 90s he wasn't doing much acting. Hmm. God, I love real Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And we – I remember when Peter was um, doing that as a, as a production yeah, yeah. down at the, at the theater. He really wanted you, Bert, to oh, go yeah. out for the role. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I couldn't be a part of your cast there, Peter, but – I couldn't even get to see the show in the end because we just dragged our feet, tried to get ourselves out there, and you warned us, but the tickets sold out from under us. <laughs> That's well, okay. At least we got to see the music. Man. Actually, it's a good segue because we went to go see uh, the Music Man not too long ago. Uh, all, all of us in the room. That was so much fun. As well as Matt. That was a lot of fun because that was my first time seeing it in, in any way, shape, or form. That's crazy. Yeah, I, you know... Oh, I know. Not, There's plenty of things I'm I want to see. I'm not very cultured, obviously. You know. Oh, the music man. That's a lot of fun. Pick a little, talk a little, pick a little. And there, there were even little comic book references. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, why don't you talk about it, Peter? Well, the first one is actually in the script. Uh, so, Music Man was written in 1957. Uh, well, prior to 1957. That's when it was on Broadway. And it... Uh, takes place in 1912, so s- some of the references are a little out of the timeline. But uh, like an anachronism, trouble, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, in trouble, he makes re- reference to Captain Billy's Whizbang. It was a comic that introduced uh, Captain, well, Captain Thunder, I think, first, and then Captain Marvel. I forget. I forget. I, I can't uh, remember. Well, Captain Billy's Whizbang wasn't actually a comic. It was like a little humor magazine, like a yeah. digest-sized joke book published on a monthly basis. But, but yeah, it was uh, it was the foundation of uh, Captain William Fawcett's publishing empire that ultimately gave birth to Wiz Comics and, uh, and Captain Marvel. Right, 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 right. And that's where Wiz and, Comics title came from, from Captain Billy's Whizbang. And then uh, the second one was just something I threw in as sort of a uh, – Oh, you could almost think of it as like a segue into a scene where a bunch of people are watching uh, ladies perform this very modern-esque, at the time anyway, a little celebration. And they started off with one, they stood there, and then two, and then we cut away to another scene, and we come back, 
and she says 51, and then she says 52. <laughs> 52? Oh, my God. When, when I heard 51, I looked at Shane and Murder. oh, my God, 52! <laughs> I, I enjoyed that very much. So I knew not many people would get it, but or anybody except you guys and myself. It was more just to make me laugh, so and it still fit like yeah, like it was supposed, yeah, it was to, be supposed there. to be there. Some ridiculously yeah. high number, and why not? Right. Why not fifty two? Yeah, oh, love that so much. And yeah, it, it was a really fun night. Of course, it was a, a buffet um, dinner we had before it was the good. show started. And of course, so I wherever I go, whenever I go out, these guys, I always feel like they're watching me eat. And, like, you know, taking notes or whatever. And sure enough, you know, when we got there, I guess Aaron, you know, Peter's girlfriend said, oh, by the way, you told us you have to make more shrimp tonight. <laughs> and then I listened to Peter's episode about when we were there, and he mentions that, you know, oh, Pant had watch a shrimp. It's like, come on. <laughs> Leave me alone. <sighs> but, yeah, it was a really, really fun night. We had a good seat right there in the, in oh, the yeah. front deck. Midway you know, the between the stage and the buffet, there we were. <laughs> Yeah, that's correct. A couple of cats kept coming by asking us questions. That was fun. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, before we even started, or no, actually, was it? Yeah, before it was before started, it started. They had a trivia question, and enter, enter, Mister Murdo over here. Yeah, they. <laughs> they said, I'm two for two now on uh, pre-show trivia questions <laughs> at uh, the Candlelight Dinner Theater nice. to win free desserts. <laughs> they asked a question that spam a lot, like who played uh, Sir Lancelot in the original Broadway production, and I, well, well, Peter and I were sitting together. I muttered to Peter, it's Hank Azaria. Peter said, well, get your hand up. <laughs> so I did, and they made fun of me for sitting next to the director and, <laughs> and knowing that. <laughs> they had, uh, you know, like an, an illegal inside connection. Run away. <laughs> Run away. And so I answered this question, too, and got the free brownie Sunday. Well, the question being, of course. Uh, which fa- uh, few- which famous director played Winthrop in the uh, 1962 film version? And uh, the answer was Ron Howard, a young, red-headed Ron Howard. You know, I, th- I think this is pre-Opie. I'm not sure. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. I think well, so. Wow. I- yeah, when did well, the Andy Griffith show come on the I think air? I came in 1960. Oh, in that case, mid Opie. <laughs> but as I think we might have mentioned, but that this is Murd's favorite musical. Music it, is. Yeah. it is. It is. I mean, our server was, uh, you know, it's a tradition at uh, the Candlelight Dinner Theater that uh, members of the cast come down and also act as servers. And uh, it so happens that the daughter of the mayor of River City, Zanita Shin, was our server, and I was—I I just he looking at that. Her, I yeah. knew she was Zanita. She was <laughs> the embodiment, the very personification of Zanita Shin. <laughs> we were there all of five minutes, and he's like, "I'll bet you she plays <laughs> the mayor's daughter." <laughs> yep, and you know, the production was excellent as well. You know, just, uh, Peter, you had a really talented bunch of singers and dancers up there. And we went over Charlie Cowell, the, the Anvil salesman, was terrific. Yeah. He had a great bunch of pick a little, talk a little women up there. You know, the Marion, the librarian, was one of the strongest players in the cast overall. The costumes were spectacular. The subtle set changes for different areas without having to have tons of different sets around worked perfectly. And I loved all the little signage changes to, to show that. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a great production. Yeah, they really brought it together, and and uh, we, the last uh, count was ninety eight percent tickets sold for the entire run, which was a wow, might be a record. Wow, Very people nice. people love their classics, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to go wrong with the music, man. I've always thought, yeah. and I 
I was fascinated by the fact that you know Peter directed the uh, the production, but once it, the show starts its run, he's pretty much uh, you know you're pretty much hands off, aren't you, Peter? Oh yeah, I mean it, it, in union cases, uh, you know there are a lot of rules about when you can give notes, when you can't give notes. You have to give them through the stage manager. You can't give them half hour before the show starts. Uh, and a lot of it is, you know, you want them to feel like it's their production. They're the ones on the stage doing it. They're the ones that get to feel out the audience. Um, so at some point, it's uh, there's a, a quote that I always like, that a director abandons a show on opening night. Doesn't necessarily, you know, because it's like you just got to stop working on it. Um, but then it's really up to the cast and they're the ones that have a feel for how the show moves and how it moves backstage and on stage. And, uh, you know, if I'm not up there doing it, I, I'm not really going to have that sense. I know what the pacing is and I, I can hear, I can sort of give them notes on what's working and what's not working, but you got to let them, you got to let the show grow. You got to let it settle in. And, uh, you know, so I try to not see the show the second weekend after it opens. I, you know, let them that way they can go have fun and keep to what I want them to do. But, you know, don't go crazy. I know you talked about how you brought some of the action off the stage and around in front on the sides and stuff. I really enjoyed that. I like it in any production that I've ever seen when people come off the stage and go through the audience in some fashion. So that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm like Todd McFarlane. I break the panels. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas, didn't somebody ask you for uh, some sort of instrument or whatever, Murder? There was an instrument. There was oh. directions. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Harold Hill himself came down off the stage and offered to sell me a LaRussophone. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a French version of a sousaphone. <laughs> and once or twice he commented about how, how quiet, quiet the audience group, was. Yeah. <laughs> we were in awe of the production. It was good. Poking it was a lot of fun. Through the well, you know, again, do I hoot and holler? Yeah, Peter! Like, you know, I don't know. I just enjoy. I, I laughed what I felt I needed to laugh. Yeah, I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> I mean, even at the what, at the intermission when they were uh, drawing tickets, I was I just I laughed and the guys, yeah, keep that up. <laughs> I've always been told if I, uh, if anybody uh, needs to plant in the audience for a good uh, laugh for a comedian, I'm, I'm your man. Basically. So all those years of watching Ed McMahon. <laughs> Well, 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 uh, my laugh is quite infectious. There's no cure for it. <laughs> so anyway, that was, it, was, it was really funny. The, yeah, and it was. and uh, Matt seemed to enjoy himself, even though he sort of protested a little bit. Yeah, yeah, well, he took the seat with his back to the stage. so That was by design. Yeah. I think we let him have it. That's right. Well, <laughs> it was because I got, I got there first. Ooh, I'm going to get this seat. And, and actually, I, I should have... We actually talked it away down. He said, can you give me a bit of a buffer between me and Murder in case you start singing during the show? <laughs> I, I forgot about that entirely. He didn't get it. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> and he was very acutely aware of my humming and tapping my foot along with all the musical numbers. Yeah. yeah. And once I caught wind that he was aware of my doing this, I did it even louder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blood's thicker than water. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> But, yeah, musical or no musical, and a good musical it was, yeah. even for those of us who don't enjoy musicals usually. I love musicals. Of which there were one one of us, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it was just good to get out there and just have fun together as a group. Yes. We even hit a comic shop on the way. We had some time to kill, and Pans was like, I think there's a shop nearby. Son of a gun, around the corner, maybe two miles away if mo- at most. Boom, comic shop. Mm-hmm. The comic shop, right? That's yeah, the comic shop in Wilmington. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was a nice store. 
Yeah. Yeah, Peter, you, you, you mentioned was made that there was another pretty good comic shop in that area, but a little further away. Well, I mean, that one you're talking about, the one that's in the strip mall, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is, uh, I mean, that's literally right around the corner from the theater. It's fast. Uh, it's really great. They have a lot of signings and uh, special events and clubs, book clubs. Uh, every now and then they break out their 50-cent collection. And I know the last time I was there for a 50-cent sale, uh, they had modern stuff even. Wow. You know. It was like spillover stuff, right? Like stuff they order too much of. The other store is um, – it's called Second and Charles. Oh, I know of that store. Yeah, it's not necessarily a comic store. It's yeah. a used book, DVD, yep. ra- um, records, video uh, games, mm-hmm. and 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 a lot of stuff that you find in the back of the previous catalog. Yeah, so you can go and they often will purchase things from you, and you can either get uh, cash. Uh, or, you know, like if you bring a whole bunch of DVDs that they want or movies or, I mean, CDs or records or old books, uh, so you can get cash or you can get credit. And I think, I want to say the credit, you get a little bit more if you use credit. Yeah, I I believe that's correct. So their comic section, um, they have all the new stuff. Uh, they have back issues and every now and then they'll have a whole bunch of boxes. If you look through They'll have 25-cent comics, 50-cent. It's been skewing up to about 75 and a dollar, but um, when I first went there a couple – like maybe two years back, I came away with about $80 uh, – sorry, 80 comics, most of them for 25 cents. Nice. So I think I barely broke uh, 20 bucks for – you know, because of the few. And these were all – these some of them were great, like prestige comics, comics $4, $5 comics. Um uh, every now and then, I'll, I'll, I would catch one, one of those $8 comics of reprints of something I would want, and there it is for $0.50. It's nice. like, of course I'm going to buy it. Yeah, that, there's there's one um, close to where we were always at soccer tournaments um, near Christiana, and there's one out towards York in Pennsylvania too. Um, I could I've spent hours in there looking at books. I found some old book club hardback Star Trek novels from 70s, 80s, whenever they were first coming out. And I picked up a couple of those when I found them. It's it's a lot of fun to look around there. You can find some neat stuff. Yeah, every, so every now and then I'll, I'll you know, grab, take a take a 20 and I'll walk out of there with 40, 40 books, 50 books. Yeah. Um, so there, I'm not sure how widespread it is. I know, like you said, it's here. I know there's some in like the Allentown, Bethlehem area. I want to say there's only three or four. I don't think it's – I mean I could be wrong, but whenever I saw a flyer, there were only a few stores listed on the flyer. It wasn't like chain across the country kind of thing. But maybe yeah. it is and they only advertise in blocks of the area they're in. Yeah. I mean I don't do the conventions thing anymore, right? Like I – it's been a long time since I've been to a convention. Pants, I know you're going to Baltimore. But for me to pay – $45 for a ticket to get in. I might as well just go take that to Wild Pig or somewhere. Yeah, just, yeah. You know? That hurts going as time marches on. Yeah, it, it's 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 tough. But some of these conventions, like like I really do like Baltimore. It probably Baltimore be, is behind, my favorite. Behind Heroes Con, I think Baltimore is my favorite convention to go to. First of all, it's in a wonderful location right yeah. there down by the harbor. Love Baltimore it's Harbor. It's easy for me to get to. 
And it's so much... I mean, in the last few years, they've started adding some celebrities, which I don't necessarily mind. No. But, but it's still very comic-centric. They added 60 comic guests this like this wow. these last week or so. I mean, it's a big name. So I, I really... And there's the great back issue shopping there. Um, you, sometimes you get it corresponding with um, the Diamond Retailer Summit. So there's a lot of yeah. more... Like, I think Day to D was going to be there Friday. You get some of the muckety-mucks showing up every now and then. Um, Sometimes it corresponds with the Yankees game, which yeah, there's can actually, be travel Yankees, hectic. The Yankees but. are in town uh, this weekend. Um, you know, some really great panels. Um, I think I'm going to – I didn't look at the whole schedule, but there's like an Archie panel I want to go to. I think Mark Wade's going to be on that nice. panel. I'm like looking at that. Um, yeah, I really, I really do love uh, – I've been going to Baltimore, I think, that's I want to say it's the longest convention that I've been going to, not necessarily consecutively, but that I've gone to that I still go to. I think the first one was like 2003. I went to there. I mean, I used to go to Pittsburgh all the time back in the late 90s, but you know, I sort of fell off and got bought out by yeah. By was it? I still love going to Baltimore, and now they've you know, it's the last few times it's been three days. Yeah, I've never gone to one for three days. I've gone to some of them in Baltimore when they were two days, but never once they added the third day. I just can't get there all three days. <laughs> Yeah. Um, most times I get there on a Sunday, but and I was planning on this year with uh, I always take Ben down, and I was considering Ben and or Matt, whichever one wanted to or didn't want to. But I think I'm actually going to miss it this year because of their schedules. Now that school started, I I don't think I can make it. I think they have too many games going on. As long as it's happening on Labor Day weekend, I can't make it at all. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a great true comic book show. Yeah, and I mean my friends Chris and John are flying in for the show, so yeah. we're all staying together downtown and oh, that's And if and if you crew. do yeah, <laughs> if you do stay overnight, the harbor is just so much fun to go walk yeah. around, plenty of places to eat, see, hang out, even if you just want to sit by the water. Go to the aquarium. It's a lot of fun. The aquarium's the awesome. National aquarium. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. The dolphin show at the end is always great. I I love it down there. You going to go bug buzz? Probably. I'll I'll see buzz and Chat with him a little bit because we didn't talk. We chatted a little bit out in San Diego, and uh, but I didn't get it. I'd have him stand still for too much, like go out and like get a dinner or whatever. Yeah, I think that's the last time I saw him was last year's Baltimore. I got to talk to him for about a half hour while he was while he was drawing. God, I love watching him draw stuff. Go out and have some crab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Baltimore is such a great show and such great deals if you if you're looking for that, especially on Sunday. I love the when trades and stuff start going <laughs> even cheaper on Sundays. Um, I always find a good Justice League back issue down there. Um, I usually go through the whole uh, retailer section at once all the way through and start jotting down aisles and store names, so to speak, so I can go back and compare some prices. And I usually get one really good back issue sometime from Baltimore. Mm. Well, it's a good show. Send me your list and I'll... I may. There's a couple issues I'm looking for. All right. Well, just yeah, can't I, find around here. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things I'm looking for. Nothing too specific, but it's just, you know, you never know when you're going to come across some great deals. Or and, and I think cheap. Sunday's the, the quote, kid-friendly kids, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of fun there, too. They do a lot of activities for kids. My my boys have always enjoyed going down there when they do. Um, one of the first times Ben went down, uh, Peter Mayhew was a guest, mm-hmm. and he was on, like, a golf cart going from where he came out, I guess, of the um, – into the convention center and to where he was going to sign. And he's sitting on the back of it waving, and he kind of waved specifically at Ben and Ben's like, oh, my God, that was Chewbacca. (laughs) (laughs) He was kind of cool. I got to see um, Kate Cassidy down there last year, and I took Ben for a surprise. He was thrilled. He's got a 
big smirky <laughs> grin on his face, like, oh, God, I'm really here. <laughs> yeah, Cash Patton from The Flash is going to be there, yeah. and uh, Haley Atwell's going to be there. I really wanted to meet Haley Atwell. Yeah. You need to see Rem- Ramona Freyd- Freyd- Freyden. Oh, Ramona I went Freyd- and, yep, I did that last year. I got a Batman sketch. Yeah, I mean, she's, you know, she's 89 now, and yeah. Uh, yeah. go pull out your Aquaman or your Metamorpho and get her to sign it or... When I when I went when I went up to her uh, to see what sketches she had, of course it was Sunday, and she goes, you know, I'm really sorry, I don't have much left. And there was one Batman. I'm like, oh my god, this is perfect. <laughs> you do not need to apologize to me for anything. Yeah. I said I'm thrilled just to get one and meet you. <laughs> yep, I was able to meet her and uh, say thank you and shake her hand at yeah. uh, the Denver convention a bunch of years ago. And she had an Eclipso sketch on her nice. files, which suited me just fine. Yeah. I, I just uh, moved it because I rearranged some of my trades. I put it right in front of all the – until I get a frame. I mean it's been a year. I haven't gotten a frame yet. But I have it inside of a, a MyLite comic book bag um, and it's in front of my Batman trades propped up against the one shelf arm so it stays perfectly still. And I can see it every single time I go into the room. It's, it's really a neat picture. And if you can get close to him, Tom King will be down there. <laughs> Might be busy this year. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, we've been in communication. We're trying to get a meet. We're trying to get him out in San Diego. So I, I, I have his number. So we're trying to get together down in Baltimore at some point. Oh. But yeah, he's just exploded. That guy. Absolutely good, good for him. I mean, absolutely. So, like, we talk ad nauseum about the vision and Grayson and so forth. But uh, he's fabulous. Sheriff of Babylon is awesome as well. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. Um, I started <laughs> started some of the vision, and I. Um, I now have the two missing issues from Omega Men that I didn't have, so I'll sit down and read that. Uh, yeah, he's. I'm glad he's exploded the way he has. It's and this, this other little indie book he's on, what's it called? Oh, yeah, Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. I can't imagine what it must be like for any creator uh, that isn't – that, that kind of, you know uh, – has a slow – has a has – a, not like a – not a slow rise, but like a – sort of like a – uh, steady rise like he has, you know, yeah. like, and, uh, you know, I think of other creators, like think of Jonathan Hickman who goes from his own indie book to, you know, basically the flagship Marvel titles and, and a couple of their big events. Uh, but to write Batman, to write Batman, you know, I'm sure and, and, he's already thought of that too. Like, <laughs> you know, he's probably vomited a couple of times because of it. <laughs> and not just Batman in something, the Batman title. The Batman The title. main Batman title. Yeah. And, and you know, he has to steer the ship. And look, you know, I, I worked on a production that had a lot of input from the people who um, uh, footed the bill, you know. And, and when, when, when they start having creative input and artistic uh, impulses, it makes for a really hard, you know, process so there you are writing arguably or maybe not the flagship character of dc comics and obviously because of his merit it's not like he they just gave it to him like oh you know try this out kid <laughs> uh you know he's he obviously uh proved himself showed that he has chops and um and then to write batman in in one of their bigger you know publishing events with dc rebirth and I just, I mean, all of it just, yeah. I, you know, he must, he's got to pinch himself every now and then or. Yep. You know, I'd be, I'd be in the tub naked crying. Like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> uh, and, you know, talking about 
proving himself on, on, on something, man. Grayson was out of this world. Such a great title. If, if you haven't read Grayson, but you like Dick Grayson as a character, man, pick that book mm-hmm. up. It's a lot of that. I would put up there for for a a smaller run on something, and and that's just the way it is when Rebirth came about. Um, I'd put it up there with things that like Our Man, that twenty five run of Our Man that I love so much. This is man, this is top notch stuff. I absolutely love what he did with yeah. him and Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley, right? Yeah, that was they a did with Grayson. Such a great book. Yeah, artwork by uh, Mikhail Hanin, I think, uh, which was great. Oh, it, yeah, it was sharp. all fabulous. Yeah, and think about it. You know, a book like Grayson, even though Dick Grayson is such a pivotal DC character, the book itself, the title itself, probably they were able to get away with a little bit more than they would on a, on a more uh, quote unquote important book. Yeah, possibly. You know, certainly, a Mega Man the same way. You know, they. Uh, which was evident because they they said they were going to cancel it, and then fans were like, "No!" And then they brought it back. You know, um, Vision I could see being that way too. It kind of maybe people are a little more hands off editorially, um, which probably is the reason why a lot of his writing, also collaborating with Tim Seeley, probably mm-hmm. you know, look at all the collaborators in comics. They usually churn out, if not high-grossing comics, interesting comics, right? Not that you need both, but um, because you get to bounce ideas off somebody, and collaboration is always great. Yeah. So, now, But not he, Batman. They're yeah. probably watching him on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even on a slightly shorter leash, I imagine. Ha- having read one or two uh, samples of it, it does seem like it's a little... He's not being quite as experimental as he was on something like Omega Man or The Vision, for example, but it, it's still good, solid, wholesome superhero comics. Though. Yeah. And very well done. Um, I, I can't even figure out how I did it with Omega Men. I was going through back issues and, and you know, I'm such a mess with my organization right now as far as new <laughs> stuff coming in that I have this shipment here, this shipment here, this shipment here, all in short boxes, all kind of there. And every few months I get together and start coll- uh, combining it all to figure out what I have and don't. And all of a sudden I'm looking like I'm missing 9-11. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> Crap. So I'm going through trying to find – where I can buy nine and eleven from, and I and I hey, found it. I'm right here. He's going to Baltimore. Going to Baltimore. Well, I have them now. Oh, you have I them. Found what them. about those vision issues? I have four and five of the vision I can't find anywhere. Well, I, so well, I'll get there. I was going to get yeah, you a list. All right. Definitely I'll, vision in four and five. I'll okay. be sending you mine later on. Okay. I've got people. I've got a couple people all over the country looking for that one. I've been to. Um, well, I'll, I'll check before I buy it. Make sure you don't. Oh, oh absolutely. I've been to King of Prussia, Plymouth Meeting, Pottstown. Um, both in Reading and any online store that I normally would buy from, which would be like an eBay, a mile high, a my comic shop, nothing, no, none, none anywhere at all. eBay, I can find it, but it's like 15, 20 bucks. I'm like, Ooh, I'm not quite ready to pay that for it yet, but it, it's yeah, coming I'm not, close. I don't know what's up with issue four. Cause I need number four vision too. And I'm, I'm, I'm calling it first. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just confused. Like, yeah. I just when you said it, I was like, "Oh, well, that's weird." Because so did I. I wonder if it's not because one, two, and three. You know, one of course traditionally sells better because it's number one. Mm-hmm. Two oh, right. usually drops off, 
and maybe people kind of fell away from three and four and five, and then all of a sudden wait for the trade. Yeah. Wait for the trade, which is I wanted a nice collection of it, and then you were talking about his letter pages. I'm like, oh god, I gotta get it now. Maybe it took four months. I mean, it, the demand is building and, in yeah. the opposite direction as it, it, it's crescendoing as the uh, print runs are decreasing. You, you get you yeah. get to issue six or so, you get the trade out, and everyone goes gangbusters, and then everyone starts buying it up. I'm like, crap. Um, that that because I, it was all over the place about how that first trade premiered uh, so high on the um, booksellers list. Oh, just fabulous! I, I couldn't have been more happy for Tom if it, if, if it wasn't happening that I could get to announce it to him or something. Man, uh, anytime he posts something, I'm like, oh my god, there's something else exciting going on uh, with his books. It, it's a lot of fun to to watch all of this unfold for him. Yeah, really, if you watch really the. Well, you know, when they when Diamond puts out that uh, their, their top three hundred list, you know, which which uh, you know, no one should ever don't play the stock market with that list because it's <laughs> it's never fully telling the tale. But you know, um, between that list and and seeing retailers talk about comics, you know, it, it takes them two to three months to yeah. figure out what really their readership is going to. Buy, you know their their customers. I should say, you know, the, for everybody's ordering blind. You know, like if we order from DCBS, we're, we order issue one, sure. then we have to order issue two. We don't even have issue one in our hands until maybe three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I saw a recent article that I think the percentage now for the top three hundred list from Diamond, right? I think now only really covers maybe somewhere. I think it said somewhere between like fifty five to sixty five percent. Of comics that are actually all sold hmm. when you when you add in bookstores and reorders and uh, uh, overseas, right? Because it's just it's just the North American market. Um, so that does like, include digital comics. I don't believe either. Right, right. So I mean, you know, uh, but I think that number was in for print. I think it only oh, really okay. covers about fifty five to sixty five percent. So those people who are like using the top three hundred. To carry their torch for Marvel or DC, it's like you're actually you're you're a little bit foolish, you know. Like that's that those numbers aren't real. I mean, they're real, but they're not real. So, <laughs> so talking about ordering stuff, I did my previews order finally late, but I got it in. <laughs> um, I, for the first time in probably a year, I always, always, and I've said this before, I would go through and put everything on my list that I, as I'm going through previews, I just add whatever whatever strikes my fancy and like. And I had been doing the the Rebirth bundles because they're, it's a great price and you get everything at one shot. Well, at, after my first run of this time, I was between some of the new Marvel stuff I was picking up and some trades I wanted to get and the DC stuff and a couple independent things and all of a sudden, I'm at like $245. I'm like, all right, well, this is not going to fly. So I start taking stuff away. I finally took all the bundles off. I went back, and I went through those DC titles that I really, really want to read. Now, again, I've only read the first issue of some of these things. And like Peter said, you got to wait two, three months to get to the next where well, you're the, in the cycle. Unless of, it's a twice-monthly book. Let, right, and, but I only get my books once a month. I can't bring well, myself but, but to do more. But you get two at a time, then. But I get two at a time, so okay. The, yeah, but if you get if you get monthly, then you're in almost four to five books. Yeah, yeah so yeah. The, so then I'm I'm progressing that way, and oh, God, I got it down to 112 dollars, but it was hard. And I picked out like, okay, well, I know I want Batman and Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, and this and that. You know, there was a good 10, 12 issue uh, uh, 
not this title list that I went off of. And then I'll see how I can stick to that or not. Plus the Marvel stuff and plus some indie stuff. And, oh, God, that's the, that's the hardest month I've had in a long time trying to whittle that down to almost nothing. Um, whew, boy, that was tough. And there was no way it was going to go through with that first draft because I think my hands had gotten chopped off <laughs> with that. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. There was a lot of good stuff and a lot of good prices on trades. I took most of those off because some of them were things I had and I just wanted the nicer format. Oh, my goodness, Shane. But <laughs> if it's a nice, good hardcover or trade paperback, like I wanted that Adam Strange Silver Age. Tra- I don't yeah. have any of those. Oh, I got that one, yeah. I put that one off for now. Oh. I'll, I'll pick it up somewhere. I just, I just could not do it. I couldn't bring myself to add any more. <laughs> not when I've come off of having months where it was like 50 bucks, 60 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it's almost twice as much in like a couple months because of the rebirth stuff and other interesting things that have come along i'm like uh nah, i gotta come back again i gotta bide my time <laughs> and i love ordering the marvel stuff when i do find things interesting because they give you the digital code right away and then i either read the issue or download the code and i can get rid of the issue whether i sell it or whether i give it to like some of my kids friends who have interest in some of this stuff, a couple things, or I send it out. We have friends out in middle of Pennsylvania, um, and one of their boys was starting to read stuff and ask me questions, so I sent him a whole box of trades and issues one time. Like, that's the kind of stuff I love to do, so I don't mind necessarily buying the Marvel stuff because especially with this digital code stuff, I can download that, and then I have it to read whenever I want if I want to reread it and do something else with the issues. That's the one thing I think DC's really lacking in yet is is that that digital frontier for like what Marvel did. And and that's fine. That's not what they want to do. That's not their model and, and hey, that's fine. It's the way it is. Makes no difference to me whatsoever. I know. I know. Well, this episode has been sort of a mishmash pulled together kind of thing. But while I have Peter on the horn here, and I don't want to put you on the spot if you didn't look at it, Peter. But did you see uh, the article uh, by Augie DeBleek about the end of big comic book journalism? I did not. Um, Darn it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Would you want to paraphrase or do you want to? Uh, just... See, that's the thing. I'm, I'm going to look it up a little bit. I'm light. terrible at it. Basically, um, it pain- this is how he starts it out. He goes, it pains me to write this, but it's just too obvious to ignore now. And then in bold letters. Big web comic book journalism is dead as an institution. And he goes on on talking about how CBR, comic book research, which I think was just bought out, about how so much of the stuff is about movies and TV, whereas the actual comic book That is something I found. And again, the article, if you go to PipelineComics.com, just search for, uh, that's the world of comics, Uh, it's called The End of Big Comic Book Journalism. And again, it's much... I can't do it just as talking about it. I'm just not smart enough about that. But he makes some good, valid points, and it's and I think if you have it ready, you probably should look into that. Yeah, uh, I'm like trying to like speed read like the guy from uh, Great Space Electric Coaster Company. Electric Company. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh easy uh, reader. Easy reader. Reading, Morgan reading, Freeman. That's but there was a speed reader on ooh, Great Space Coaster ooh, too, wasn't there? Ooh. Asking the wrong guy, Shane. <laughs> that one I did not get a chance to see. I say. stand alone. I mean, I mean, um, you know, first of all, I'm glad that he's back writing, yeah. you know, taking a look at the comic industry. Um, I'm not going to say 
there's no way I'm going to say, oh my god, CBR just did a redesign, so now comics journalism is dead, because it's not like they were the champions of comics journalism before the redo of their website, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is horrible. (laughs) Um, But what is comic book journalism? I mean, this is the thing that used to always piss me off about the Eisners, where they would have uh, a category for, uh, you know, best comics journalism print or online and they would give it to you know a website um that just had you know a bunch of people putting out snarky editorials or whatever and you have magazines like uh the whole tomorrow's slate that they can they produce an entire book devoted to one topic and doing interviews and research and that's comics journalism you know, just somebody writing a thousand words, two thousand words about why they they feel mainstream comics sucks for the twenty eighth time. That's not comics journalism. Um, and also, sticking a microphone in somebody's face is not comic book journalism either. Podcasters, you know which ones I'm talking about. Sorry, no, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Will you please no. talk to me? No, not you. Like people, they're like, oh, you know, that so-and-so podcaster, that's, that's a true journalist because he taught. I'm like, no, that's not journalism either. Somebody go look up a definition. Take a college course. Like these aren't journalists, you know. Um, comic book journalism, you know, nobody's going out like Peter Falk with a with – a, <laughs> Just wanted to ask you a few questions here. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. one more thing. <laughs> And then corroborating his whatever he finds from one person with uh, newspaper, you know, resources or other people or go look at this expert and talk, you know, like that. Who does that? You know, that's rare. But, you know, but people who, you know, I, I go back to tomorrow's publishing. They put out books where they they talk and they they talk to a lot of people and they they make sure their sources are right and all that. And I don't know. Ugh, there's every every other week there's a. There's a discussion on Twitter about comic book journalism, and it's like, you know, when somebody can put out uh, uh, a Netflix series like uh, The Making of a Murderer, then that'll be comic book journalism, you know? Like, when you're truly investigating something, um, you know, or like people, the way they slather over every little tidbit from bleeding cool and it's like uh no that's not journalism either and he doesn't say he is but he's a he's a muckraker he's a he's a it's a it's grocery store trash rags you know when you go to bleeding cool so now uh, comic journalism didn't even exist prove me wrong fight me (laughs) uh yeah, it's it's weird. It's frustrating. I love resource magazines. I mean, I love all that stuff because, but again, like nobody's breaking Watergate, you know, like that. <laughs> when you think of journalism, like high high concept journalism or stuff that somebody spends months on, you know, uh, yeah, I don't see it. So, but yeah, the CBR website is horrible. Um. I I certainly agree. It's very difficult to find comic book news on any site. It's all TVs and movies. And I love comic book TVs and movies as much as anybody else, but boy to try and find just an article and information about something upcoming is it's getting more and more difficult as time goes on. Yeah. That's why I always when people start giving smack talking smack about podcasts, you know, the ones that actually do 
give their recommendations for the stuff that's not Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, or Image. You know, it's like, okay, they actually supported your book. So why don't you support podcasts more, you know? I actually, what's so funny, speaking of that, so I, I've been on a little bit of a kick in the past year or two about trying to find comics in previews that were from Latino creators or South American creators or Spanish creators. And um, usually, you know, coming out of, like, Fantagraphics and, um, oh, Black Mask Studios and, what's the other one, Amigo Comics. There's, like, a bunch of publishers and that do, do really nice things with that. And I just gave, like, a two-sentence nod, a three-sentence nod on a book from, um, I think it was from either Fantagraphics or Drawn in Quarterly. And it was a, a book by uh, Ezequiel Garcia and gave a little link on, on, my, on my site, right? And I got an email from him. And he said, thank you for recommending my book. Like, that nice. was it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's, you know, crazy. Um, but, like, that to me, I think, or to go back to, like, our convention uh, talk, like, going through Artist Alley and discovering some creator and going, oh my god, that you're really good, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, in about a year or two, they're doing major comics. So, um, I don't know. I think there's more out there that people could be recommending, and instead they're busy wor- you know, screaming on Twitter like like I am at three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's got to do it at three. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, uh, you know the high muckety-mucks of the mainstream comics, guess who is getting a honorary doctorate degree from... So uh, the school that I work at has a new president, so they're doing an inauguration, mm-hmm. and they're handing out honorary degrees, you know, which, which I'm sort of like, boy, I wish you could have handed mine out too so I have to pay so much for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, honorary doctor, doctorate degree on Masters of Big Screen Entertainment. Guess who's coming? So, like, three years ago, Neil Gaiman actually spoke as, at one of the commencements, right? Um, so every now and then we get... Uh, uh, I think Linda Barry might have as well. But um, they're giving out an honorary doctorate to Mr. Stan Lee. <laughs> huh? Wow. That would have been my guess. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in October, I'll be sitting in the audience, you know, that's awesome. I'm going to shout, Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you hiding Jack Kirby's bones? Oh! <laughs> oh, but that's cheating. So where do I go to collect the speaker's fee? Is it over there? <laughs> <laughs> so. That should be fun. I sensed a lull. Ah, yeah. Once again. Crouched and waiting to pounce by pressing <laughs> it. <laughs> time, Wait, waiting for Murd to be in here and pounce. Time for our trivia segment, Muddle the Murd, uh, where you can try and submit some questions to Muddle the Murd. And what they're playing for right now is still from our stash of artwork. Uh, we're playing for it now a Tom Hodges Wonder Woman sketch. Ooh, ah. And up again for his second attempt is Chris Brawley, a.k.a. Brawlinator on the forums. Yeah, Brawlinator. All, All right. right. Question one, pre-1970s Marvel. Black Bolt, ruler of the Inhumans, demonstrated the destructive power. Let me try this again. Pre-1970s Marvel. Black Bolt, ruler of the Inhumans, 
demonstrated the destructive power of his voice as an infant with a screaming temper tantrum. He was immediately placed under exile in a soundproof chamber until he could be trusted never to speak again no matter what. At what age was he finally trusted to be released from exile? Hmm. 52. <laughs> <laughs> no help from the peanut gallery. Somewhere in his teens, I think. I'm going to say 18 years old. Oh, 19th. Darn it. Black Bolt's father, Agon, greeted him on his 19th birthday with news of his freedom and the Inhumans' origin backup tale originally printed in the Mighty Thor, number 149. Hmm. All right. Question two, 1970 to 2000 D.C. In Superman number 308 from 1977, who convinced Superman that Krypton's existence was actually just a delusion that Clark himself had created because he couldn't deal with the fact that he was actually a mutant and not an alien from a destroyed huh. planet? Hmm. Interesting scheme. Hmm. I haven't read that story, and it's probably going to – I'll be interested to hear the answer, but uh, I'm going to say Brainiac. Answer, Superman's cousin, Supergirl. Huh. She lied to him because she was concerned over his mental health due to his recent attacks on oil super tankers in an effort to defend the Earth against destroying itself with pollution. Huh. Hmm. Superman is an eco-activist, huh? All right, over to question three, post-2000 independence. In the recent, well, you got to put it's recent. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> In the recent Bloodshot Reborn Annual 2016 from Viant Comics. That is recent. Our hero is dispatched to take out the Silver Lake Slasher, who is an obvious homage by writer Jeff Lemire based on the Friday the 13th movie baddies, Jason who terrorized Camp Crystal Lake. What is the Silver Lake Slasher's name? Huh. Uh, yeah, I've obviously have no idea about this. Uh, uh, all right, so if it's obviously a play on Jason Voorhees, what's a good play on Jason? Perhaps the name of another Greek hero? Uh what Greek hero has a name common enough to be believable? I don't know. Theseus. No, Jacob. Okay. Even more obvious than I okay. made it. Okay. Well, Chris. So, the Brawlinator has muddled you the murder. Muddled the murder as I pass over the art to murder who mails it at his own expense to the winners. That's oh, right. Murder. Comes out of my own pocket. Tom <laughs> Hodges, Wonder Woman study in pen and marker. Heading your way, Chris. Congratulations. All right. And if you want to send in your own submission, uh, please send your questions to uh, comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. Well, you give the... Yep. Don't forget, it needs to be three questions, one Marvel, one DC, one some other company. They also need to break down uh, time-wise as uh, one question about comics prior to the year 1970, one question about comics between 1970 and 2000 inclusive, and one question about comics post-2000 AD. And please don't forget to include the answers to those questions. Yes. Just send them along to comicgeekspeak at gmail.com.
keep sending those submissions, people. It'll be something else from that portfolio of art and sketches that was sent to us by a mysterious donor. That's correct. I like Benefactor. Well, yes, okay. He's, he has done a benefit to us, so yes, he's a benefactor, too. Okay. okay. So has anybody read anything recently want to speak about? <laughs> speak about. Talk about. What's the matter with me? Peter? Uh, nothing current. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Oh, this, is, this has been the summer of Infinity, Inc. for me. Because I just, at the last Wild Pig sale, I finally completed my run. So I've been sort of marching through that uh, over the past couple of months. And I, I'm about halfway through. I think I'm, I'm into the late 30s. It's the story where uh, Infinity, Inc. and the Global Guardians team up to take down uh, the modern-day uh, inheritor of the old Injustice Society of the World team, Injustice hmm. Unlimited. So it's uh, artwork at this point by – it started out with uh, Jerry Ordway art, of course, in mm-hmm. the first uh, large arc. But uh, by this point, it is Todd McFarlane breaking the panel borders, as Peter mentioned earlier, <laughs> and doing some really creative things with uh, page layouts too. And uh, Tony DeZuniga, you know, the late uh, uh, classic artist, uh, did some, a lot of stuff for DC in the Bronze Age. He was doing the inks over uh, McFarlane's art. By the late 30 issues of that series. And it, it's going through the growing pains of survive. It's a series about Earth 2 characters somehow surviving and uh, living on for several years after Crisis on Infinite Earths. So it's interesting to see how it weathers that transition. Hmm. And then this is the kind of thing that Peter and I will probably talk about on a Crisis Tapes episode at some later time. But uh, it's just – it's been fun. And uh, the ride, as I've said, is only half over because uh, the series lasted past its uh, – I'm going to have to go get the Overstreet Guide to remind myself how many issues it actually did last, but more than 50, I'm sure. Yes, because I remember, uh, I think the first issue that McFarlane came on, actually he came on, I think, in an All-Star Squadron issue, I think was his first artwork. Yeah, like I want to say number 27. Like it, was Doctor a, Fate. it was a Dr. Fate story. <laughs> right. Because I, I always, when I look at original art, whether it's online or at, at cons, it's like, oh, this is a great page, and it's fitting neat. Oh, it was done by McFarlane. There it goes, you know, I'll never yeah. get that because yeah. it's, you know... Uh, <laughs> Let's 53. Just jump that. 53 issues. 53. Excellent, excellent. I have, and this, and this is where maybe you guys have read more of this than I did. Over the years, I have acquired a complete run of All-Star Squadron, Infinity, Inc., and Young All-Stars, but I have yet to read any of them. That's one of the things that's on my reread mind. I need to reread that. Like, I've, I'm sort of going back and reading some of the Wally West Flash, you know, scattered about and... I did find my copy of Legends Trade, so I'm gonna, like we talked about, I, I now have that, so I want to read that again. But even go I'd... back a little further because I, I love that stuff, Roy yeah. Thomas and just the the, the, the Earth Two, the Crisis, sure, the multiple. Uh. I think that was, um, um, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I completely forgot what I was going to say about that. I know I want to, I want to reread it. I want to read it very badly. Um, I'm kind of ashamed that I... I'd read it well if I were you. <laughs> uh, that I acquired them. It's got to be 10 years since I've gotten some of them, and I just have not made the time to sit down and start with one and just you know try one every day or every other day or something. should be simple. Just put the box by the chair and pull out an issue. But, yeah, it gets put on the back burner all the time. Look, this, this is how I... I how I uh, think of it. Everybody's got to go shit once a day. So take a book. <laughs> and that's at least one comic you can read. Or if you're like me, about three. Because I stay on for about 30 minutes. So. And then you take a <laughs> Oh, gosh, Peter, as we get older, some things just don't change. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, well, have we shot our proverbial bolt here, gentlemen? Yeah, sure. It was okay. a good fun episode. It was a good fun. Just hey, let's 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 do a show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a movie. All right, so you're getting ready there, show for me, Shane. There? I'm ready. You're, you're ready. I'm oh, ready. Well, hang on a minute. I'm not quite ready for ah, you. Ah, ah, that's that's the first that's right, happened ah, in a while. Ah, <laughs> all right, all right, you wise guy. Here, we waiting go. on you, Mister Pants. <laughs> Visit us at comicgeekspeak.com to send us an email. The address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, the number is two six seven seven zero two six six four two. Stop by thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com and let us know what things you have to say about our hodgepodge episode. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Thanks to everyone who contributes to the episode by benefacting or sending in questions. Please continue to do so. Um, and as always, oh, and thanks, Peter, for coming on for an episode. That was a lot of fun having you on and talking some musical stuff in the beginning. I could do that for an hour or two because you have a wealth of knowledge I don't have. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. You did! You didn't even give Peter a chance to say bye or anything. Just boom! <laughs>